I want to preface this by saying that this all started Thursday night. And we've prayed diligently that I'm going to be able to hold it together this morning because I haven't been able to hold it together doing any of this. It all started Thursday night when God gave me a revelation of something that had been hidden inside of me for years and years. You guys didn't know. I'll give it to you just real briefly. When I first became involved in the Assemblies of God, that was before I knew anything about anything, and I couldn't speak in I didn't speak in tongues. I didn't do anything. I just assumed that those things were necessary to be part of the assembly. And I remember being at a gathering, and a lady fell and hurt her ankle. And I immediately went to her, got down on my knees, and started praying for that ankle for healing because I believed that that's what we were to do and that that's what would happen. And I kind of got chastised for that. And that made me have this feeling of unbelief and this feeling that I, I wasn't supposed to do that, even though they claim that we are supposed to do that. And that Thursday night was the first time I have ever, ever voiced that incident. And what it did, it just, re, it just released me from that shame and condemnation that I had felt all that time. And so I was just, you know, I was just praising the Lord. So then Friday... If you've been listening to Don Keithley, you know that he's been teaching about not asking anymore for anything, saying that, you know, we have everything that we need, and uh, you don't have to ask God. You can just you just do what you need to do, and you don't have to ask him. And I'm like, mm, I'm not so sure about this. And I was really, really struggling with that. And Friday morning, I was getting ready to do laundry or something, I don't know. And the Holy Spirit just grabbed me right then and there. And Friday morning, he said, you go look at Matthew 7. So I did. And he started to reveal things to me. And poor John, he had to live with all of this going on all the time. So that's what this is all about. It's all happened in these few days. And so the title of my brief message, I don't know how brief it's going to be, is my doorbell's busted. How many have a doorbell of some sort, any kind? Well, you don't need one anymore. Your doorbell is busted. I'm not, I've never done this before, so bear with me. So we're going to look at Matthew 7, 6 through 14. So if you've got a Bible, you can turn to that. If not, I'm going to use my NIV. So in Matthew, the first things that we have to discover is who's talking in Matthew? Anybody? Who's talking? Jesus. And we know that because it's written in red. Right? So is this pre or post cross? Because Jesus is speaking, it's pre-cross. He hasn't died yet. He hasn't uh, been buried. He hasn't ascended. So if it's pre-cross, what covenant is it? It's the old covenant. The new hasn't come yet. So who's, if it's the old covenant and it's pre-cross, who's he talking to? The Jews. So is he, was this written to us for today? No. No, no, no. It was written for us, though, Yes, it was. 
So this section of Matthew, well, actually all of Matthew, is Old Testament, Old Covenant, pre-cross, speaking to the Jews. It's so very, very, very important that we understand that because that's where the crux of this thing is. So let's go to verse 6 first. This is, just sets it up. It says, Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and then turn and tear you to pieces. It's kind of a funky little verse. But what I was shown is that Jesus is reinforcing. Remember, he's talking to the Jews. He's reinforcing to them the rules of the old covenant and the consequences for not following the law. Do not give dogs what is sacred. I mean, sacred things were a big deal back in in the old covenant and the Old Testament. So he's reminding them that this is what they're living under. Now we're going to go to verses 7 through 12, and I'm going to read that from the NIV. And it's the famous and highly acclaimed scriptures of Ask, Seek, and Knock. And you can see John found this wonderful little picture for me of this little girl knocking at the door. That's what we do. We ask, seek, and knock. But isn't it amazing that we start them at that early of an age to think that they have to ask, seek, and knock? So... Let's go to Matthew 7. What am I reading? 7 through 12. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? In everything, do to others what you'd have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. Now this verse, these verses are ones that we go to all the time. Oh, you got to ask the Lord. You got to seek God. You got to, like Keith Lee says, ball and squall and do all of that stuff. And that's what we've been taught. We've been taught that we have to do that. In order to get what we think we want and or need, we have to go to Jesus. Oh, Jesus, please. Please bring someone to, to buy that camper because we need someone to buy that camper. But God's already got that person, but that's beside the point. So this is the ask, seek, and knock scriptures. But I want you to look at the bottom or the end of verse 12. It says, for this, what I just read, sums up the what? The law and the what? The prophet. It's all what? It's all old covenant. It's not new. It's not for us today. We are under the new covenant. He's telling them that they have to ask. They have to seek. They have to knock. They have to do all this, all this in order to fulfill the laws of the old covenant. Verse 13. Enter through the narrow gate. Who's the narrow gate? Jesus. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, 
and many enter through it, and that's the law. What Jesus is saying here is that that's the bridge. It's the bridge to the new covenant. Jesus is telling that the old covenant is broad with its rules and regulations, and it all leads to destruction. But there's a narrow gate now, and that's him. And he's just building that bridge so that he can try and bring them from that old covenant thinking into the new. So he's building a bridge right there. He's talking to them. Verse 14, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. That's that narrow gate. Jesus is telling them that the small gate and the narrow road, that's life itself. And that is the person of Jesus. He's preparing them for the coming of the new covenant. We no longer have to ask, seek, and knock. What a revelation. That was Old Testament. That was Old Covenant. That was to the Jews. That was a fulfillment of the law. We don't have to ask. We don't have to seek. We don't have to knock. We don't have to go, oh, my God, please bring somebody to buy that camper. So what are we supposed to do now? Under grace, what if we can't ask, seek, and knock? I'm right back to my old dilemma of, well, golly gee whiz, how do I pray now? So that's the second time I've come up with that. I remember the first time I was at the corner of Fulton and Spalding, and I called Terry on my way to the office and said, um, Terry, I don't know how to pray anymore. <laughs> what am I supposed to do? And he said, in his wisdom, just thank you. I said, okay. That was my first time when I said, I, I don't know how to pray. So this has been my second time when I've said, God, how do I pray now? I'm not supposed to ask. I don't seek. I don't knock. What am I supposed to do? Let's look at Luke 17, 20 and 21. Once, having been asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, The kingdom of God does not come visibly, nor will people say, Here it is or there it is, because the kingdom of God is within you. All of those answers are within you. Hashtag no knocking required and hashtag it already lives in you. You don't have to anymore. It lives within you. He's telling them the day is coming. The day is coming. Get ready. Get ready. Second Peter 1.3. His divine power has given us everything. Everything. We need for life and godliness, one of Greg's favorites. Through our knowledge, which means to know intimately and to have a relationship of him who called us by his own glory and goodness, his divine power has given us everything. My bawling and squalling and saying, oh, God, send somebody to buy that camper, that's not going to do one iota bit of worth. It, it means nothing. It means nothing to him because he already knows who's going to buy that thing and when. So I just have to know that. So there's hashtag no asking required, hashtag no seeking required, and hashtag no knocking required. My doorbell is busted. You and I never have to replace that doorbell. We don't need it anymore. We don't have to ask, seek, and knock. So the answer to this, 
is praise and thanksgiving. That's how you pray. You give praise, you give thanksgiving. Thank you, God, that there's somebody out there that needs that camper, and you're going to send them our way. Thank you for that, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you. The kingdom is ours completely, absolutely, totally, completely ours. One last thing. There have been two major things in my life that have, that have changed me from religion to grace. The first of them was Steve McVeigh's book, Beyond an Angry God, that just released me from so much condemnation and everything else. The second major thing is what God has revealed to me these two days. This is where I'm going to cry. He has shown me that it's only him within us and that we are he and he is we in us. And once we can grasp that and get rid of all that other garbage and that bawling and squalling, then we can settle into a better relationship, a more intimate relationship with him because it's not he's not out there where we have to go and pull him into us and into what we're doing. It's not like that anymore. You don't have to do that. So when you start saying, when your prayers are, when they're like, oh God, please do this. Oh God, please, please do this. Come and give somebody something. Uh, you know, Lord, give my son a new truck. <laughs> he says, hey, I already have it there for him. It's just a matter of when am I going to give it to him and how and all of that. So you just know that it's going to happen eventually. It's been, it's been a journey these last two and a half days, and God bless John for putting up with me because I don't do PowerPoints. Yeah. <laughs> and and he's, he's done this and, and been with me, but I, I thank God for a godly man like that who can share in what I'm doing and I can grow with him and with the love of Jesus. So that, that's it. But what I want to do is to, I, I asked Terry for me to um, do this before worship because worship is the key. Worship and praise and thanksgiving of what's already done. So as we go into worship today, I have no idea what Norm has put out there for songs, but there's going to be something that touches you about this very aspect of life that you don't have to ask, seek, and knock. That scripture was just tormenting me, and there's no more torment because that's Old Testament. That's rules and laws and regulations, and we don't live under that anymore. Amen. 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 So let's worship. <laughs>